Give us some men who know the truth. And who will declare the truth. And who will stand with Athanasius and Polycarp and Calvin and Luther and Whitfield and Edwards. And who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I'm serious. you're in for a treat because we're here and i say we this time and it's not just me and the crazy voices in my head you had to deal with that two weeks ago sorry i carried on without you a couple weeks ago <laughs> i totally get it i mean I'm... lou has had the audacity to like have a life and a job and stuff so <laughs> <laughs> yeah my job has been challenging these last few weeks the nerve of some people can you believe that yeah him getting a paycheck was more important than sitting here and talking with you the people Ooh, guilt, <laughs> guilt trip 
Wow, that was a good one. I told you, I'm convinced my grandmother was like Jewish somewhere down the line. Did you just channel, she channel would, your grandma? She would. She had guilt down to a science. Like she'd call you for something, and be like, "Can you come by and do this?" Be like, "Well, you know, I got a lot going on. I don't know. Well, if you can't, that's okay." Oh, oh, it's like, oh my goodness, you crazy old woman. Fine. <laughs> Lay it on thicker, please. Oh, she was awful. So. So now that we've sufficiently guilted Lou and made him feel shame for his having a life, <laughs> we are here to tell you that you should not tear asunder what God has joined. It's going to be one of those days. I have already threatened to invoke R.C. Sproul. Yeah, we're looking for the button. <laughs> one of these days I'm going to splurge and get a soundboard that I can just like hit the button. It'll give me all my sound effects. And then like half of this ep- half of our episodes would just be me hitting the sound effects button. <laughs> for sure. Which, <clears throat> excuse me, which if you're perfectly being perfectly honest is why we don't have that sort of technology. Because I would absolutely abuse that sort of power and technology. It would be fun though. I mean, <sighs> come on. I mean, for me, but everybody home would be like, stop hitting the button. Like, someone take the button away from the monkey. <laughs> so, before we dive into Church of England insanity, which is what we have today, just just wait. Just this is going to be phenomenally bad, phenomenally bad. Let's understand because we're going to be dealing with an understanding of bibliology and an understanding of ecclesiology. So let's try. Good. By the way, I challenge you at home. You go find one Bible verse to handle bibliology and ecclesiology, I dare you, (laughs) without hunting through everything. So we're going to try to lay a foundation from one of my favorite Bible passages because it's this is one of those passages that if you don't have in your head a general idea what it says, for shame. You need to go read it a couple dozen times and try to get it stuck into your head that when you need to talk about the function of the church— and the work of the church and the people in the church, you should go, you know, there's something in 1 Corinthians 12 about that. Mm. And at least you have a starting point, okay? Got it. <clears throat> so let's dive in. Concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. So Paul's dealing with a controversy in the Corinthian church, wants to make sure that they understand the proper functioning of the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to them. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. (laughs) Nice. I love that. So we don't know what was in charge of you then. We just know it wasn't good. Mute idols. And we know that whatever was leading you was leading you to nothing good or to nothing that had power. That's the big thing about a mute idol. It's not only that it's just an idol... It can't talk to you, it can't guide you, it can't lead you, it can't strengthen you, it can't empower you, it can't help you in any way at all. That's the insanity of, of, of that type of worship. That's what Isaiah 40-something. Read Isaiah, especially the chapters of the 40s, it'll do you good. Because mm-hmm. that's the comparison that he makes. Right. Like, you cut down a tree. Half of it you burn for your house to keep it warm and cook your food, and half of it you spend hours intricately carving and carry it up to the mantel place to set it upon the mantel and then, like, ask favors of it. Right. Yeah, like, I mean, you had to put it there. Yeah. <laughs> After you made it and you put it there from the same tree that was useless enough to just, you know, heat your home and cook your food. Like, what made that chunk of wood so special and what makes this idol so good? You can hear Isaiah, like, physically rolling his eyes <laughs> as he's writing the passage. And, and, and to tell you the truth, I don't think that idolatry has changed much 
No. I mean, of all the things... We think it has because we don't carve little statues. I mean, unless you're Hindu or something like that. Well, they, well I don't know. They make them. But, yeah, they but might not in, carve them. But in mass, except for like a handful of the Hindu sects and a, some of the you know weirder like Wiccan pagan groups. <clears throat> Excuse me. Except for those groups, most people don't think they have any any hand or any partaking in idolatry because that's what they think of when they think of idolatry. They don't think of idolatry as just something in their life that has occupied the place that God is supposed to have. Therefore, they think they're immune from it, never mind the fact that their job or their family or their kids or their hobbies have become an idol. They right. don't think of them as idols because I'm not as bad as those people doing that stuff. Right. It's not just that they don't have proper understanding of idolatry they don't have a proper understanding of christian living is you're supposed to be a living a higher calling not a base life and we just say well i'm not pagan anymore so i put away the pagan things okay yeah but you still took the good thing and made it an idol you just replaced the paganism with some somewhat baptized paganism and nothing's actually changed in your life right moral of the story is you can't be pagan and christian too uh, you and would I, think that but and yet I, the world keeps trying right well i think that has some bearing on what we're going to talk well, about and, today and paul wants to make sure the corinthians don't go there which right. is why he continues therefore i make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of god says jesus is accursed and no one can say jesus is lord except by the holy spirit now okay just let's deal with let's deal with the barterman thing real fast because Bart Ehrman will do this if you ever corner him in a day. Well, I said Jesus is Lord. Does that mean I have the Holy Spirit? No. That's not what Paul means either. He doesn't mean, like, you can say the words. Just because you can say the words and, like, just because you can pat your head and rub your tummy at the same time does not make you an acrobat. <laughs> I'm picturing that, but okay. <laughs> on a unicycle, aren't you? You're yes, picturing it yeah, on a unicycle. Yeah, and, and leotards. See? Yeah. Why is it the minute we talk about acrobats, everybody's like, it's a unicycle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just saw him going across the wire. Oh, in my mind. We used to, I used to have a, um, a Sunday school teacher who's, um, his name was David, but he but since like high school, he'd been known as Bear. He's a big guy? Big, big guy. Like yeah. 300 plus pounds, 6'1", 6'2", big, big guy. Ooh and so we used to joke, like, because we see he's out there helping with baseball, and we were used to joking, like, one of these days, since, since you're Bear, are you a dancing bear? Because there was why to get happy to do a little shuffle dance. I'm like, one of these days I'm going to get you a unicycle. And he just looked at me, he was like, no. <laughs> No. You a dancing bear? I'm like, I'm like, I want to see you on a unicycle. <laughs> they just look at me. No. Not no. going to be. Not yet. Not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent. Wouldn't be prudent. <laughs> no. That's not the point here. Just because you can say the words doesn't make it so. Paul is talking about an actual declaration from the heart of the person. A believing declaration. Agreed? Agreed. <clears throat> All right. So with that all said... There are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. <clears throat> My throat will not cooperate today. There are varieties of ministries, and the same Lord. Varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. We're going to pause there real quick, all right? So, we're talking about spiritual gifts. For the Christians, because they are no longer led to useless things, but they are now by their believing, faithful declarations that Jesus is Lord, being led by the Holy Spirit to the throne of the living God for a function. 
And that same spirit that is leading them is also empowering them because he is not a mute idol, and he is strengthening them for what work? Well, the work is supposed to have a common occurrence because we have one spirit for the body, and that common occurrence is the common good. Your spiritual gifting is for the building up and benefit of the body of believers. Imagine if that really caught fire in our churches today because some people think that those gifts are for their own personal empowerment and their enrichment. And that's, again, when we talk about the paganism of the American church, Mm -hmm. this is part of the problem is we try to redefine everything from a cultural perspective. Right. We borrow from the culture, we borrow from their definitions, from their understandings, and then we import that into the church and then we try to function with that. And it's like, why doesn't this work? Mm. I I don't know because it's not biblical. Maybe that was like your first clue. So again, to your point, ecstatic gifts are almost useless in the church. It's one of the reasons why I'm a cessationist. I know you're a more cautious cessationist than I am. Well, I think God is a God of order. And I think that when you go into these places that believe that they're operating in these gifts, that you see all kinds of chaos. Part of the reason why I am not a cautious cessationist, but just a flat out one, is because they serve no purpose to the body. Well, you still believe that God can heal people. Yes, but that's not part of the ecstatic gifts. That's still God healing. He's not, you're not directing the power the way the apostles did. I got it. Got it. Yeah. See, the apostles had carte blanche to direct the power for the testimony, for the, what's the word I'm looking for? For the um, approval is not the right word. For the commitment's not the right word. For the, there's a word for this and I can't think of what it is. But for the proven of the Mm -hmm. testimony that they're given. Mm-hmm. So they are explaining the gospel of Christ. They are testifying to the works of Christ. And the proof that their testimony is accurate is the fact that they can do these things. Now, once scripture is settled, and once the apostolic testimony is no longer objectively given from the apostles, but objectively stored in the repository of the church by the holding of the writings of the apostles... There is no longer a need for those miraculous works because the confirmation is already given by the Spirit in the writing of Scripture. Okay. Make sense? Yeah. So, yes, can God come down to the hospital and heal someone? Yes. And this has always been my standard for all the guys who claim to be faith healers. Right. You want to claim to be a faith healer? You want to Benny hit it with the white jacket spinning around in a circle and doing your, your whole dog and pony show? Go down to the local children's hospital, empty a wing, and then we'll talk. Right. Until then, sit down and shut up. <laughs> and when you want to bring to me strange tongues, well, one, prove to me that you're actually speaking a strange tongue. I, personally, I think it's it's an actual language it's supposed to be. that we speak here. Everywhere, I think the Greek points to that Everywhere you see the word tongues in, in Acts and in the New Testament, they're talking about actual languages. Yeah. Two, always remember, always remember, they felt conviction when they heard those languages. To this day, if you put a gun to my head, Deuteronomy 32, that's what they heard. They heard Deuteronomy 32. I think so, huh? Because that's, that's the purpose awesome. of it. The yeah. Song of Moses, and what was the purpose of the Song of Moses? When you are an apostate, when you have forgotten the Lord your God, you will sing this song, and you will be reminded how wretched and worthless you are, and about the great works of God and how you should repent. Mm. And they're sitting there going, we're hearing the word of God in our own languages. They were hearing a call to judgment. They were hearing... A condemnation they that they, they had not. They thought they had a bunch of drunk Judeans there, but they they didn't. No, because because again, and the reason why you think a bunch 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 of drunk Judeans, bad name by the way, 
Yeah, that would be a total... Bunch of drunk total, Judeans. Yeah. That's a great college, like, punk band name right there. Some dude in a pink mohawk, you know, screaming into a microphone. I'm seeing it right now. See, yeah. see, you can't. Guys, I'm telling you. You have a way with it. <laughs> the, re- the reason why they're thinking they're drunk is because you got all these guys walking around speaking a bunch of sounds like gibberish to you. Because it's not your language. Right. But to the people that spoke the languages in the crowd, they're going, um, <laughs> wait a Time out here, bro. Time, yeah. time out. I know what he's saying. And it brought conviction. Yes. So, again, you want to speak in tongues... Fine. Explain to me how you're bringing conviction on people who are listening, and explain to me who exactly is listening. Right. If you can't do that, then I put you in the same category as a faith healer. Sit down. Shut up. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, uh, Paul says unless there's somebody there to interpret, how do yeah. you know unless you know that that's an intelligible language <laughs> for someone there to interpret? So again, when yeah. you start giving me the jibber jabber stuff from the, from the pulpit or the church, nope. You're not serious, and you don't, and you don't take scripture seriously, right? Because you're not following the precepts. You have taken some other outside influence. You have brought it into the church. You have tried to baptize it, and I reject that completely. So there you go, for the edification of the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another affecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, there you go, that's languages, to another the interpretation of tongues, but one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. And always remember to what end? For the common good. If we're building up you or making you feel special, that is not the purpose of your spiritual gift. That is not a spiritual gift, it is something else. Right. Now, Let's pause for a second because this is both instructive on Scripture and instructive on ecclesiology. So let's deal with Scripture first. Notice how we have a scriptural standard. This is one of the reasons why I'm an uncautious cessationist because you should be following a scriptural standard. Do you know how many continuationist churches there are that actually hold to a scriptural standard in regards to most of these things? (laughs) It's a really low number. Yeah, I wouldn't know. It's a really low number. Now, that's one. Ecclesiology, though. Once again, Christian, your gift, given by the Spirit, regardless of what it is, and by the way, not an exhaustive list in 1 Corinthians 12. Romans 12 has some extra information. What is it? Um, is Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4. I Definitely, yep, yep. I believe yep. are the other two places you can go. It's two 12s and two 4s, so <laughs> hunt it down or do you good. Pick your gift. Recognize that it is not for you. It is for the edification of believers, for the building up of the body, for the construction of the kingdom at large. It is for the common good. Everything done in the church should be done with an eye towards the common good. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Now, let's, before, because before, because we have two more verses we're going to read, but before we get to those, let's dig out that idea a little bit more, because this is going to be important for what we read later on. Sunday morning sermon is not meant to be an evangelistic exercise. It is meant to be a working out of the common good. It is meant to be a discipling of believers, a strengthening of their faith. Should there be evangelistic elements? Absolutely. Can there be evangelistic emphasis in certain portions of that? Absolutely. But primary function of church teaching is the discipling of believers and the building up of the people. That is the common good, the strengthening of the kingdom. The pr- there are going to be more interactions between believer and unbeliever outside of your church than there ever will be inside of your church. So to try to reorient your church 
for that opportunity is a train wreck. Strengthen your people so that when they encounter those things on the outside, they are prepared and they are capable of doing the kingdom building work because you have strengthened them and built them up to do so. So stipulated? So stipulated. This is what Sunday school should be about. This is mm-hmm. what midweek Bible study should be about. This should be what Sunday night Bible study should be about. Whatever other Bible studies there are in your church, this is what they should be about. This is what the Sunday morning sermon should be about for the building of the believers, for the edification of the body, for the construction of the kingdom. Now, with that said, this is what your program should be about. You got vacation Bible school, you got an Awana program, you've you know got an upward sports league, whatever it happens to be. It should be about the strengthening of the body of believers for the encountering of the world out there. Yeah. Again, are there evangelistic emphases and aspects of those things? Absolutely. But the function of your gifts should be for the common good. And this is not one of those areas where we're defining common good as the rising tide raising all boats of the culture. The common good to the Corinthian church would have been the believers. Mm-hmm. That's who Paul's writing to. He's not writing to the pagans. He's writing to the Christians. As a matter of fact, when he finds out there's pagans amongst the Christians in the Corinthian church, he tells them what? <laughs> Send Re- them away. Remove the immoral man from among you. Right. He's like, when I told you to judge the unbelievers, I didn't mean the unbelievers outside the church. <laughs> Right. I meant the unbelievers inside the church. Yeah, those, Boot them out. Those who say they follow, but their life shows otherwise. Yeah. We, we're looking at the fruit going, um, you know, not <laughs> sure this passes the smell test here, bud. It was pretty bad, too, you know, because oh, even, no, even amongst pagans, they didn't allow that. So yeah, The Corinthian church was a nightmare. Yeah. Every, like the worst of the worst of like what you can imagine going on in church. Carl Corinth was like, hold my beer, dude. <laughs> yeah, let me show you something. <laughs> hey, Bubba, watch this. I mean, Corinth was like, we got that, and we raise you. <laughs> oh, man, yep. So recognize that Paul is writing to a church. So the common good is about the church. This is going to matter. Now, that also means as you construct declarations, statements, documents of any shape, form, or fashion for the church, be them statements of faith, governing documents, statements to anything that's going on in the public, you know, like you're issuing, we have an official statement. That should be for the common good, as defined by what? As defined by the body of believers. This is a statement meant to clarify things between the church and the world. This is a statement meant to explain how we edify, how we build up. This is a statement meant to explain how we operate in a way that is God-honoring and Christ-fearing, and exercising the empowerment that the Holy Spirit has given to us. Make sense? Yes. Okay. Good stuff. That's going to be important later on. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. So, there is not division in Christ. Therefore, there is not division in Christ's people. Which means, (laughs) as soon as I said that, Lou knew exactly what I was going to say next. Which means... If you are exercising your gifts in a way that is not for the common good, you have disqualified yourself from the one body. For sure. If you are not exercising the function of your church for the common good, you have disqualified yourself from the one body. 
We didn't kick you out. You did that yourself. You did that to you. Yeah. You did that. We did not do that. You did that. Right. You looked at the work of the Spirit. You looked at the Declaration of Scripture and went, no, I'm good. I- I'm going to Fleetwood Mac this puppy. I'm going to go my own way. <laughs> You're suddenly picturing Stevie Nicks with a tr- with a with a uh, with tambourine. Yeah, the tambourine. Thank you. Absolutely. <laughs> Weird flowy white thing, you know. Mm-hmm. Doing that. Now, yeah, it, yeah. What you can't see is me doing a bad. She was definitely a gypsy. <laughs> I've seen a gypsy. Oh my! <laughs> Sorry, I can't sing Stevie Nicks. Her voice is too low for me. <laughs> Daughter loves that lady. <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> Sorry. So, if you have improperly exercised the gifts of the church, if you have improperly aligned the church, if you are improperly functioning the church, you are removing yourself from the body. We're not doing anything. You are deciding on your own, as Second um, John would point out. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. If you deny, you get Christ wrong, you don't get God. There's, there's, a, there's one testimony. This is what Jude's warning about. I wanted to write to encourage you to contend for the faith once for all handed down to the saints. But certain persons have crept in and they're causing problems. So now we got to deal with that. All right. Would you like to hear about some certain persons today? Probably I was wondering not. when we were going to get to that. But here we go. <laughs> all right. Can we still... I'm going to ask this as a question because I think this is a valid thing. Can we still rightly refer to them as our Anglican brethren? I don't know. After reading those articles, I was kind of surprised. You sent them to me a couple weeks ago. Yeah, this was one of those things that just kind of came through, and I I didn't get a chance to sit down with it last week, so. Yeah, I don't even think they represent all Anglicans either, though. I mean, these guys are some... But this is like Church of England, Church of Anglicans. I mean, this this is officially official. Right, I get it, but you just like, you know, know uh, the, the African, Methodists. I know and, the African groups are trying to split away, but I don't know if they have yet. Yeah. I know the um, the American branch is sitting here. Because, okay, that's the difference between an Anglican and an Episcopalian. So an Anglican is full-blown Church of England. Mm-hmm. Episcopalians are the American branch of what used to be the Church of England if I'm understanding myself correctly. So they've got their own, like, head yeah, bishop right. and whole person. So they're not under the Church of England. They have their own little thing. The Episcopalians are looking at the Anglicans going, what took you so long? Because <laughs> they've been... They've been like that for a long time. Yeah, they've been off the rails for a while. Going back to that, oh, my goodness. If you want a good nap, I don't even know who's in charge of the Episcopalians anymore, but their head person used to be a woman by the name of Catherine Jefford Shorey. That is the most boring human being to listen to on the planet. Like I don't she, think I've ever heard her. Oh, you should. Oh, if you. Okay, if you if you're having trouble sleeping, you have insomnia. <laughs> if you're suffering from depression, don't do this because like one of the side effects of her sermons might be depression. Go dig up a Catherine Jefford Shorey sermon, dude. I'm trying I to mean, remember if, which one that was that came to our. She's like she's got this droning monotone. She's really thin, probably. But she's got this droning monotone voice, and that like there's no personality or inflection whatsoever. And so she'd be like, "In the beginning, God created." It's like wow, I didn't know it was possible to be direct of personality. Like it's a black hole of personality. 
but it is it is humanly possible because I have heard her speak. So there you go. There's your homework. But no, this is not the Episcopalians. This is the actual Anglicans. Now, this is good. <clears throat> I say that jokingly. The draft texts proposed by the bishops of the Church of England will be considered by General Synod in February alongside other proposals in response to a six-year process of listening, learning, and discernment on questions of identity, sexuality, relationships, and marriage known as living in love and faith. And by the way, this whole section is taken from their website. This is from the Church of England's actual website. Did I send you that website? Yes, you did, but I looked up Catherine Jeffers, and I do believe... Catherine Jeffers, Shorey. Shorey, right. Yeah. I do believe this is the person that came to Rock Valley. We had... <laughs> this is going to kill Lou. <laughs> we had this For the Bible Tells Us, so there was a, a, a showing, and it was a scathing look at some Christian preachers um, and, and their views on homosexuality. Oh, she was she included? And, and she came... Because she was the other voice of, this is how we should be living. Yeah, she's super approving in the whole right, thing. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. She's dull as dishwater, isn't she? Yes. I, I, I mean, you're she saying... actually, I was, I sat right across from this lady, and and I was listening to her talk, and I was, we had lots of questions that day, and, uh, you know, the funny thing is, 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 is the Muslim voice in the room <laughs> was very, very on point with the subject. And they couldn't deal with that either. Oh, but, no, they have no category for that. Yeah. But yeah, when it comes to Catherine Jeffrey Shorey, PBS NewsHour thinks she's boring. Yes. Yeah, I know who this person is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you can vouch when I say the most yes. boring human being on the planet. Yes. I didn't, it's not, I, I, I've, I've actually listened to an entire sermon from Romans on her, and I was just like, it's like being waterboarded. Like, you, you waterboarded. <laughs> yes. Do not operate heavy equipment after listening to one of her sermons. I'm yes. serious, it's that bad. Yeah. So yeah, from the Church of England's website. Now I want let's make sure because okay, real quick, we'll come back. That was our off ramp. A six year process. They've tried to drag this out over six years where they can listen, learn, and discern on questions of identity, sexuality, and rela relationships and marriage. So basically they tried to draw this out for six years so that by the time they got to the end of it you'd forget where they started. <laughs> well yeah. <clears throat> and again, I'm not making any of this up. This all comes from their website. You can you have to hunt around down a little bit to find some of this stuff, but it's worth it. The bishops have also made a direct public apology to LGBTQI+. What about the twos and the S's? Oh, it's coming. We're not apologizing yeah, to them yeah, yet? Yeah, this, this website needs to be updated. Um, they've, they've apologized to those people for the way in which the church has rejected or excluded them, admitting... We have not loved you as God loves you, and that is profoundly wrong. That's not a good start. What? They're not lying. <laughs> I mean, God loved them and told them this is wrong. Don't live this Ooh. way. So they have not. <laughs> I like. I see what you did there. Yeah. And I approve. <laughs> that is a level of snarkiness. I wish to. I, I wish to aspire to one day. I am impressed. <laughs> <laughs> right off the cuff. Let's see. But in all honesty, this is insane. Yeah. So what you're telling a group of people is like you're living in direct contradiction to Scripture, thumbing your nose at God and are bad for not being more caring about you. 
Again, who's disqualifying who here? They're disqualifying themselves. Yeah. The apology is set out in a pastoral letter from the bishops of the Church of England, which also recognizes that they disagree over same-sex marriage and proposes a way forward which could be put into action within months. Like, it took us six years to figure this out, but we're going to go ahead and throw this into practice, like, in the next few weeks. What could go wrong? They disagree over same-sex marriage. Okay. Yeah. Right. Wait, wait do you see the disagreement. All right. A report, Living in Love and Faith, a response from the bishops of the Church of England about identity, sexuality, relationships, and marriage. Are these people Puritans or descended from Puritans with a title like that? I mean, I that's know. a title. Yeah. Anyway, that report sets out the bishops's yeah, bishops proposals and recommends areas for further work. There is also a book of draft worship resources, Prayers of Love and Faith. It is a range of prayers and readings which could be used in a church service, such as a service of the word or a service within a celebration of Holy Communion. So in other words, they have a liturgy. Anglican church is a liturgical church. They've mm -hmm. got a liturgy for everything. When you go to your Anglican pastor, they're pastors, right? They're not priests, are they? Or do the Anglicans call them priests? I don't know. Good question. I don't either. Yeah. And you know what? Don't care. Yeah, it doesn't really have any bearing on anything. <laughs> so we're going to call them pastors. You go to your pastor and say, we want to get married. Okay, he goes to his little book of prayer, because remember, they still even have the book of common prayer. Although it's supposed to align with the 39 articles. <laughs> Sorry. It's, it is. No, the Church of England is supposed to align with the 39 articles. That's a joke, but they're supposed to. <clears throat> Don't you hear that spinning sound? That's Cranmer rolling in his, you know, if you hooked up battery cables to Cranmer's grave. <laughs> He's rolling in his grave. We could solve electricity in this country. I'm telling you, we could solve electricity in the world. I think Cranmer spinning in his grave, seeing what the Church of England is doing. Actually, that's what we need to do. We'll hook up cables to Cranmer's grave from the Church of England. And then we'll hook up to Luther and Melanchthon for what's going on in the Lutheran Church. And then we'll hook up to John Knox's grave for what's going on in the Presbyterian Church. And then both Wesley's for what the Methodists are doing. And I have just solved clean energy. I guarantee you the spinning of those men in their grave is enough to power this planet for a good few thousand millennia. <laughs> we just got to figure out a way to store the energy. Just hook up all the power lines directly to that junction box. Yeah, and have some kind of a... Uh, uh, and we're good. Some kind of a mega battery. We're going to get Elon on this. Yes. <laughs> It'd have to be out in space, too. Elon, if you're listening, this is the new project. We're just going to hook up the cables to these guys' coffins. And then as they spin, they will power the universe. We'll have more energy than, like, the sun. Even better yeah, than the hydraulic power yeah, coming is, from the This the, is the a great band. plan. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. when you go to your Anglican pastor, they are supposed to grab their order of service for a wedding. And, you know, they, you, you know you, do you like this one? Do you like this one? They, they're already set out. Here's the, here's the scripture readings for a baptismal service. Here's the scripture readings for a communion service. Here's the scripture readings and, and the prayers for a wedding. Here's the readings and a prayers for a funeral. Very structured and liturgical. The, okay. the Church of England has always been like that. That was one of the ways that Cranmer was setting up the Reformation in England. It was like, here, here's the prayers. Just just read these. Mm -hmm. Everything will be fine. Just read these. So with that, this doesn't come from the Church of England website like the other part does. This comes from a news article that was covering some of the meetings around this website. Make sense? Yeah. 
at the Friday 20, January 20, uh, January 2023 press conference in London held to announce the House of Bishops recommendation on the living in love and fellowship process, the Bishop of London, the Right Honorable and Right Reverend Sarah Mullally, <laughs> insert eye roll here. Mm-hmm. Doesn't Sarah Mullally sound like, like some chick at a frat party? <laughs> like seriously yeah. have i told you to picture a sarah malali in your mind do you picture an anglican pastor or you I picture don't. some like blonde 22 year old with a solo cup in her hand no you do where wait where are the jello shots oh okay that's yeah, okay yeah sorry oh, funny sometimes uh, some people's names just put a picture in your head and then a sarah malali that's yeah like hey guys okay <laughs> all right so that woman leaving this meeting that, that we just read about where mm-hmm. they're giving you the new prayer book stuff was asked by a reporter so here's the question that she's answering gay Christians have been asking I'm going to leave that one alone if we can have a civil marriage and come to church and have that relationship blessed are we still expected by the church to remain celibate Or is it now understood if the marriage is blessed and sex should take place within the marriage, then gay couples are allowed to express themselves sexually as well? Okay, let's pause. Man, this, these guys are just guns a-blazing, man. Now, if you thought we were not being fair to the Church of England based on the little information from their website, this is what everybody's understanding that's coming out of it. Mm-hmm. After a six-year process, within the next few months, they're going to give you prayer readings and orders of service for gay weddings, ordained by the Church of England. The, the, popular, the culture understands this. Yes. The bishops understand this. The right honorable and right reverend, <laughs> Sarah. Malali. Sorry, now I have Jefferson Starship song. Sarah. Oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, I can dig that. I can see that. <laughs> Sorry. The Bishop of London replied, I recognize it's a question that many, many are proposing. I think that what we recognize is that within the College of Bishops, there will be a range of views that are held on that. There shouldn't be. There should be a scriptural view. What we're doing is proposing prayers for people as a stage of their relationship. And within that relationship, and we're specifically saying it is a faithful, lifelong relationship between two people. Am I the only person that thinks that's like yes without saying yes? This this is the equivalent of well, I'm not going to tell you it's okay, but I'm not going to tell you it's wrong either. So that means it's okay. Well, I didn't say that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I so can I do this? Well, I'm not going to tell you you can do this, but I'm not going to tell you you shouldn't do this. So that's that's like walking down the middle of the street. I mean, they're trying to. <clears throat> They're talking out of both sides of their mouths. So the argument's going to be that a major Christian denomination, as much as the Church of England is still a Christian denomination, which that's going to start to become a question shortly, is going to say, we're not going to condemn same-sex relationships, and we're going to approve them openly. We're just not going to call them marriages. But we're going to give them all the status of a marriage, and we're going to give them all the rights and pomp and circumstance of a marriage. We're just not going to call it that. Did, right. That, yeah. If it looks like a duck, and it walks like a duck, Life and it quacks like a duck. It's a duck. It's a duck. Yeah. So if we're going to 
confirm your relationship as a lifelong partnership between two people. And we're going to bless this relationship as a lifelong partnership between two people. And we're going to give you ceremonies and prayers and Bible readings to celebrate this lifelong relationship of two people. What would you call it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is strategically worded this way. It is. Oh, yeah. And she's being very careful. I give her, you know what? Props to Sarah. I'm sorry, the right honorable and right reverend. Ain't nothing right about this. Yeah, yeah, well, that's why I keep saying that. Sorry, I can't help myself. She, considering this is an off-the-cuff answer as she's leaving a meeting from a reporter, she's being very cautious. She's not dumb. No, definitely not. Yeah, she knows what's going on here. She knows the, the she knows the, everything that's going on. She continues, One thing I have learned through listening is that there is a whole range of ways in which people will express that relationship. <laughs> Keep in mind what this question is about. This question is about whether or not the church is going to approve physical homosexual sexual acts. There are a variety and range of ways in which people express that relationship. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> this is not frightening isn't the word. This is a complete surrender. Now, did you catch how she surrendered? Did you catch where the surrender was? It was in that sentence right there. Yeah. One thing I have learned through listening. Stop right there. Who are you listening to? Doesn't matter who you're listening to. Christian. Christian. <laughs> I want you to have a, an understanding. I almost gave away the answer. I want you to have an understanding of how Christ defines anything. Anything at all. Mm -hmm. Pick your understanding. Where... Pray tell should you go and what pray tell should you do to find the answer to the question on how Christ thinks about or commands a certain thing. What should you do? You should read the Bible. You should read the Bible. Yeah. You should read your Bible. Yeah. Who does that involve listening to? The Holy Spirit. Yeah, but to, to, we're not listening to anyone. We're reading scripture and allowing the Holy Spirit to inform us. Mm -hmm. It's not like you. It's not like you start reading Leviticus and the Holy Spirit pops in the room and be like, "All right, Dave, listen up. This is what this means." <laughs> if that happens to you, let's cough medicine. Okay. <laughs> all right. No more sinus medication and Chinese takeout at the same time. All right. That's a bad combination. Who's she listening to? Someone who's giving her a worldly perspective. Right. About scriptural things. In other words, she's trying to exercise a spiritual gift for the worldly good, not the common good. She is not seeking to honor God. She is not seeking to follow the commandments and the precepts. She is not seeking to build for the discipleship. She is seeking to corrupt, tear down, and transform. It's almost as if certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> she continues talking about expressing that relationship some will be sexual some will be not or some will not some will be friendship and some will be sexual hmm. so we're going to approve the relationship and then we'll let you define what that relationship actually looks like that doesn't make sense the prayers are the are there that are the and so the prayers are there that can be offered and I think that the way they will be used is there will be a range of ways in which they will be used in that. 
That's some double talk there. I don't even know what that means. You so, know. hey, you know what? I'm going to read that again in the tone of voice that it so richly deserves. Oh, boy. Shall we? Okay. And so the prayers are there that can be offered, and I think that the way they will be, like, used is there will be a range of ways in which they will be used in that. Yeah. <laughs> it makes more sense that way, doesn't it? I don't know. I still... Yeah. In other words, um, I'm not going to be on the record as affirming or agreeing with anything. Just know that when this all comes down, we're going to be on the record affirming and agreeing with everything. Yeah, that last sentence is what basically says that. So there will be the opportunity for those people in a same-sex relationship to come and have that relationship blessed. And of course, some of those will be sexual. <laughs> so all that doublespeak to finally say, the answer to your question is yes. Yes. So go back to the question. If we can have a civil marriage, come to church, and have that relationship blessed, are we still expected by the church to remain celibate? The answer to that is no. No. Is it now understood if the marriage is blessed and sex should take place within that marriage that gay couples are allowed to express themselves sexually as well? The answer to that, according to her, is yes. yes. There you go. I'm going to go on record right now. You ready? Okay. The Church of England is no longer a Christian denomination. Yeah. This is blasphemous. Well, one of the things that I've noticed in the way that people from that perspective sexually express themselves is they they dress up as lewd as they possibly can and they want to go and read books to your children yeah don't ever anytime you ever hear about like a pride parade mm -hmm. don't look at the pictures right never right look They're, at the video and don't ever watch the video if anybody goes i got a video of the pride parade run yes run Do not i have had the misfortune Sodom and gomorrah oh my goodness. you can't unsee it oh my goodness you cannot unsee that thing <sighs> It's terrible. I mean, and that's what they want. They want to desensitize your children. Well, yeah. They want to program them with the morals and values that they hold in their communities. They want to take everything that has been set aside and said, this is wrong, it should never be done, and they want to change it and say, you're just misunderstanding. You know what I mean? Hateful bigot that you are. Yeah. Now you understand why it was so important that we define those spiritual gifts as for the common good. The exercising of the building up of the kingdom. The exercise of the building up of the body of believers. Because when you corrupt that, you, one, start inviting the elements of the world into the church. Once you start doing that, you're done for. Mm -hmm. But two, not only are you inviting the outside elements into the church, you are no longer equipping the people within the church who stand up against the outside elements. So you're creating a double whammy. You're, you're watering down the function of the church while also disarming the people who are supposed to be standing against the world in their daily lives. Yeah, they're taking the sword out of their hands. Yes. They're, doing. Yeah. They're, well, well, they're leaving them a sword. No, the they're, word. Just, they're, just, the word. they're just dulling up the blade. <laughs> so when you go swinging it at people, it's, right. it doesn't do anything. Right. It's, we, we took away the nice short, sharp sword and we gave you one of those foam ones they, they give to kids at the amusement park. And you're like, why doesn't this cut anything? Yeah, right. Well, because it's plastic. That's it's not why. not working. Yes. So, and that's part of what you're seeing here. The Church of England went down this road a long, long time ago. The American Episcopalian branch of it went down the road a long, long time ago. And it starts with a misunderstanding and a misapplication of Scripture. 
once you, and this is why it's so important that you, this is why we ground everything we do in Scripture. Because this is why we want to give that foundation first. Because we want to have some sort of basis for why we're talking about this the way that we are Mm -hmm. and why these things matter to you in the world. Because if we don't have that and we don't do that, we're just talking. And we're not accomplishing anything. But if you can actually see where the foundation lies and what the purpose of that foundation is, then you actually can begin to see how Scripture works in the real world and how the understandings of these things are important in the real world. Lose that as a church. Lose the equipping of the people. Begin surrendering to the world. So again, case in point, sermon time should be for the building of the body. Sunday school time, Bible study time should be for the building of the body because if it's not, It is a surrender to the world. What does a surrender to the world look like? Well, this is the end goal. This is the end goal. A corruption of the very basic and foundational units of society. Again, we've you you and I have talked about this how many times? You want to destroy a society. Mm -hmm. Where do you want to go? You go to its foundation. What's the foundation of every society? Family. The family, for sure. Family unit. I can't corrupt your community, but... If I can corrupt enough of the families in your community, your community will fall apart. Right. They've redefined the family. And it's kind of like that discussion we had earlier about taking a piece of wood or a tree out of the forest and shaping it, putting it on that mantle per se. That's what they're doing to the family. They're reshaping it and turning it into something it's not. Yes. And again, and here's the thing. In order to corrupt your community... They don't have to corrupt the majority of the families. They just have to have a couple. We just have to destroy a few, and then that will begin to bleed itself out because a number of families just don't care. Mm-hmm. And they're not going to war against it. They're just going to sit there and go along because they don't care, because yeah. they're not paying attention, because they're not looking, because they're not being built up, they're not being strengthened. So again, we get a little bit of a dent here, and now we've got this community. Well, now what? Well, now we can go after the next community. And once we get a couple of communities, now we've got your whole area. And once we've got that area, we can go, this is this is how the world works. You have to think of it, you ready for bad analogy time? Think of it like the zombie outbreak in your favorite zombie movie. I'm serious. Yeah. Does the zombie outbreak hit everywhere all at once? No, it starts the place and starts doing what? And it branches out in various areas as it spreads out. And then eventually the contagion infects what? Everything. 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 Sure. And that's where you are in the world. You are to the place now where, air quotes, Christian groups are openly defying Scripture and thumbing their nose at God. Why? Because they're no longer Christian. They're worldly. They would rather be seen by popular in the world rather than be faithful stewards in the eyes of God. That's why we've learned from listening. I don't want to listen to the world. The world is pagan. Mm -hmm. I want to understand Scripture and be guided by an actual not-mute, and be guided by an actual powerful spirit Mm -hmm. and holy God who's leading me in a good direction to his kingdom. I don't want to listen to faithless idols of the community. I want to read and study scripture and then be empowered to stand against those faithless idols. I don't want to walk into Isaiah's neighbor's house and go, oh, cute idol, how'd you make that? I want to walk in and go, what is that abomination? Mm Mm-hmm. You know better. Yeah, this this takes me back to uh, Deuteronomy 4. And it talks about um, the precepts that God taught the people of Israel and Moses taught those things. And the purpose 
what the nations around them would see mm -hmm. is a nation. This will be your wisdom and understanding in the eyes of these people. And and so once you take that wisdom and understanding out, you become just like the people that are surrounding you, defenseless against these things. Which is why, again, Krishna, what are the gifts for? The edifying of the church, right? Because if you're not doing that, this is the end result. You become corrupted just like the outside world because you're not actually preparing for the outside world. I mean, a salt that loses its taste or saltiness, it's no good for anything to be, be thrown, thrown out and, and trampled. trampled. Gee, I wonder who's going to be doing that trampling. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I mean, you can find lots of examples of what happens to a society when they've lost their biblical foundation. And you're seeing it step by step. This is probably the first time a denomination in mass has gone this direction. I mean, portions of the Anglicans have gone this way. The, the Presbyterians have split over this. The Methodists are splitting over this. The Lutherans have split like 27 times over this. This is the first time a major denomination has just, well, as much as again, you can still call the Church of England a major denomination, has since has looked at this and said, no, as a whole, this is where we're going. And that's a big deal because Pretty again, sad. you're seeing what does capitulation to the world look like because we're not willing to hold a biblical standard. What does surrender to the culture look like because we're not willing to stand upon Scripture rather than listen to the vain whisperings of, did God really say? Hmm. All the way back to the garden. You it, every single time. Mm -hmm. So I'm, 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 I'm declaring it the Church of England is a dead letter. <laughs> Any objections? None. All in favor? Aye. Aye. All opposed like sign? Motion carried. <laughs> I wonder what N.T. Wright has to say about it. Oh, I can't even imagine. Like I said, he's either going to get in line or he'll be a Presbyterian soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to look up and see. That's one of the notes this I'm taking. Be curious. So what have we learned here today, children? The Church of England is gone as a Christian domination. The world will not allow the church to hold standards. And we must ground our lives and our arguments upon the word. Every single time. Now, last little thing, because this is good news. Denominations will rise and fall. Christian groups will come and go. The kingdom of God will not be overcome. And as you stand firm, you do not stand firm on behalf of denomination. You stand firm on behalf of the Holy Spirit who guides you and the God who has redeemed you. So you can rejoice knowing that he will bring you to a good end no matter what that looks like because you will open your eyes in his kingdom. Rejoice, Christian. He has overcome this world. They are defeated. Man, I feel like it some days, <laughs> but they are defeated. So until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. Bye.